Our topic of today is, we're still talking about Not Even a Hint, the series we started several weeks ago, which is based on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, which talks about God's standard for purity in our lives. Ephesians 5, 3, let's read it all together. Hopefully you have this memorized very soon. Ephesians 5, 3, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Among you, there must not be even a hint. Not there shouldn't be even a hint. Not there must not be 50-50. Not a hint. Must be that way. Anything less than that is improper for God's children. We're God's children, and if we are going to be children that are pleasing to God, then we have to see His standard, not our standard. And we agreed together that we have the standard of as long as we're better than, and then we fill in the blank, better than my coworkers, better than my neighbors, better than I used to be. As long as I'm better than, I'm okay. But that was never God's standard. God's standard is not even a hint of any kind of impurity or any kind of lust. And we defined lust as any kind of desire, not just sexual, but any desire that you cannot control. We've been looking at that for the past several weeks. We talked about the grace of God, how God's grace is there to help us to meet this standard. And we agreed that this is not something that's going to happen overnight. We said God's grace makes us acceptable, even though we're still struggling. And that's the balance that we're always trying to balance, is that we know we're accepted, and we know for us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, yet we're always battling. And we agreed that the two are not the same. Not that when I'm winning, I'm accepted, and when I'm losing, I'm not accepted. These are two separate things. I'm accepted, but I'm battling. And just because I'm accepted doesn't mean I stop battling. And just because I'm battling doesn't mean I'm not accepted. That's the balance that we're always trying to talk about. Last week, we looked at the process of battling, the process of purity, and the process of sanctification. And I said the most important last th thing we said last week is that our attitude towards overcoming lust has to be, what kind of attitude, who remembers? What kind of attitude we need to have? We need to have a whatever-it-takes mentality, a whatever-it-takes attitude, meaning I'm going to do whatever it takes to solve it. And I may not solve it today, okay? I may go to the doctor and the doctor says, you're sick, take this medicine. I take the medicine. The medicine doesn't solve it. I don't say, oh, well, I'm going to say, give me a higher dosage. That doesn't solve it. I'm going to give me a higher dosage. Give me a new medicine. Let me try this. Whatever it takes to get healed. And that's the attitude that we as God's children need to have. We're not going to solve anything today. We're not going to solve it tomorrow. We're going to fight knowing that every single day that we can take a step towards purity. You're not going to go all the way and become the most pure person overnight. But I want you to fight. And I want to fight. And I want to fight. And every victory... If I fall in, if my lust is gossiping and I gossip every single day with this lady, this one day, if I'm able to overcome it, even though I know tomorrow I'm probably going to fall, but overcoming it this one day, that's a win. If I struggle with impure thoughts and I say, you know, every night before I go to sleep, I have all these impure thoughts. Hey, if I can fight one night and get through one night and make it through one night, even if I fall the next 10 nights, that's a win. Every step, it's a win. We need to have a whatever-it-takes mentality, striving to bloodshed against sin mentality. Like Jesus said last week, that if your right hand causes you to sin, don't go easy on your right hand. You know what you do to your right hand? Cut it off. I'm not saying cut it off the first thing, but what I'm saying, if you tried the physical therapy and it didn't work, you tried all these different sur surgery, cut it off. Your eye caused you to sin? Okay, at the beginning, okay, you know, go easy on the eye. And you know the, you know the thing that all of our moms did to us? You know the... You know, that thing on your eye, give that a try, do the drops, whatever it is it takes, that's fine. But if none of those work, pluck. And you got to be better for you to go around with one eye than two eyes and spend eternity in condemnation. Last week, our homework assignment was to make a plan, to put a plan together. And I hope that you took it seriously and you made a plan. If you didn't make a plan, my guess is there's some people here who did but my guess is the vast majority didn't put it down on paper. It was one of these, and I told you not to do this, okay? One of these, oh yeah, I really need to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was one of these kind of plans, okay? And these kind of, you know these kind of plans, right? These are the New Year's resolutions of, oh yeah, this year, I'm going to be more healthy. You know those kind of plans. This year, I'm going to exercise more. Or I'm going to read the Bible more, pray more. All these plans equal garbage. Those are nonsense. 
Those will never, ever, ever be successful. And you know why I know they're never going to be successful? Because you have them every year. All right? And every year you have the exact same plan in here. Putting it on paper makes it real. Putting it on paper says that I'm going to do this and I write it down. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I'm going to do this to try to accomplish it. Those who did put it on paper, I said this last week, and a couple of people came to me and told me this is true. The process of analyzing yourself, evaluating yourself, putting it down on paper, and seeing the steps you need to do to get to God's standard is very, very depressing. Is depressing, isn't it? Is depressing when I go to the physical exam and I say, okay, I want to be in top shape. I'm in pretty good shape. But when I go and say, give me anything that's less than 100, and I see the long list. Because in my mind, it's like, yeah, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm okay, but then when you start to do the exams and the tests, and you start to see all those different, that's what happens spiritually. Putting it on paper is discouraging because you realize that you've got a long ways to go, but that's okay. In fact, that was a necessary step to what I'm going to talk about today. So for those who didn't go through the exercise of realizing how big a step they need to take to live to this standard, like how big that is, it's not just a tweak here or a tweak there. We're talking about any kind of lust any kind of impurity, not even a hint of it, not even a drop of it. For those who didn't go through that exercise, you need to make sure that you go through it. All right? And I'll give you another chance to I'll let you turn in your homework late this week. All right? You go through it and you see what it is you need. Because if you don't realize how big the task is, then I guarantee you it's going to change the way you respond to what I'm about to say today. Because today's topic is going to be accountability. Nobody, me first and foremost, likes this word accountability. You hear accountability, you just start looking over your shoulder. Like who's, who's watching? And who's going to ask? And who's going to see? Who's going to know? We don't like accountability. We don't like having an answer to anybody. But here's why accountability is so important. Unless you're in the 0.0001% of humanity that just today discovered God's standard for your life that just today discovered what sin is and what's bad. Unless you're those kind, that .001 who just figured it out today, you've known for a while, and you've tried, and you've failed. And you've tried on your own, and you've tried to keep it as something that you do by yourself. You've tried to lift the thing so many times, and you have failed. And until you realize that this requires at least two people to carry, you can't carry this by yourself. As much as I want to be able to, you know, carry this thing I mean I could but I'm saying like you know imagine this was heavier as much as I really wanted to try to carry this by myself this is the weight of my sin I can't carry it and in fact I'll give you a better example I thought of I could carry this I could carry it alright but I certainly couldn't walk the rest of the day carrying it like I could carry it from here to about there alright even more realistically to here to about right here alright but if you ask me to carry this the rest of the day the rest of my life there's no way I can carry this by my leg. I'm going to collapse. I'm going to put all my energy and I'm going to exert it and I'm going to get to right there before I collapse on the ground. And that's the way it is spiritually as well. well You've got a big weight to live up to not even a hint. And you think you can carry it by yourself? If you do, then you didn't really see what the process is. You didn't do enough time examining to see how big the problem is. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. God says, this is how I designed the universe, like this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if one falls, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. I didn't design the world to be this way. God designed it this way. That two are better than one. And that when we are doing things alone, the fall is inevitable. So woe to him who is alone when he falls, has no one there to pick him up. And you know this to be true. You tried praying about your problem. Didn't work. You tried fasting. Didn't work. You confessed a thousand times. You read books. Listened to sermons. You, you gave sermons. You did it all. That you find yourself in the same place. Why? Because you can't carry it by yourself. It's that simple. If this was light, okay. But this ain't light. The problem that we have, the lust, the devil's warfare against us, it's not a light warfare. 
give you another picture here. Matthew 7, 14. Jesus said, Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Look, God said it very, very clearly. He said, you want to be on the path to life? Well, that path isn't an easy path. It's a difficult path. It's windy. It's scary. It's uphill. You could fall off the side. It's rocky. It's not something that's easy to walk. You want to walk down this dark, scary path by yourself? You think you can make it by yourself? Well, if you do, you're fooling yourself. Look, if I'm going to climb a mountain, I don't ever envision myself climbing a mountain. But if I ever do climb a mountain, the last thing I want to do is be alone on that mountain. I would like someone to be with me. And in fact, I would like that person to be in front of me, testing out every step of the way. All right? And that's, that's where I'm going to be at my safest. The, the more he's in front of me, and I just follow in his steps, I'm okay. But put me on a mountain by myself, and say, go to the top. Well, do I go this way, this way? What happens if I fall? What happens if I break my leg? What happens if I get hungry? What happens if I get cold? What, what do I do? If you're trying to walk the walk of not even a hint, you know how many battles you've got to fight against? Number one, you've got to fight against your history. Your entire history has been filled with living in lust and doing nothing about it. You've got to fight all of society that's against you. Talked about this last week. You can't, I can't even go to the grocery store. I can't even buy my milk and my cocoa puffs without being attacked by the tabloids and the improve your sex life here and sexiest bodies and all that. You can't go in the street. You certainly can't go with your family on vacation to the beach. You can't go anywhere without being attacked. You can't watch TV. You can't even watch commercials. You can't do anything without being attacked by it. You got those influences in your life that aren't helping you out. And those influences that are always tugging you down. You're fighting a lot. And you think you can do it on your own? Good luck. Why do we think we can do spiritually what we would never consider doing physically? No one would ever walk up a mountain by themselves. No one would ever scale a mountain by himself. No one would be that dumb to say, let me go in the middle of the night when no one is around try to scale Mount Everest. No one's that dumb. Why, why do we do it spiritually if we wouldn't do it physically? The title of today's talk, as I put there on the handout, is very descriptive of what I'm, message I'm trying to deliver. Lone rangers equals dead rangers. Okay? A lone ranger is a dead ranger. We need to get rid of the lone ranger mentality. If you are a lone ranger and you're fighting against lust, okay, if you're a lone ranger and you're fighting against you know, a, a kitty cat, okay, you can win. But if you're fighting against a lion, take backup. Get support. Get people who are going to go and fight the lion with you. That's the only shot you got. And I'm telling you that lust is not a kitty cat. Lust, a big scary lion. We need to start to understand what it means when it says two are better than one. What does life of accountability mean? And let me tell you what it does not mean. I'll tell you this up front. I'm not talking about the sacrament of confession. I'm not talking about confessing your sins just to a priest. I'm talking about much, much more. Just so we're all clear. I'm not talking about just coming to a priest once every six months, so I did this, 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 and that, and then go on and for the next five months and 29 days have no accountability whatsoever in my life. That's not it. Confession is confession. That's separate. And I'll tell you how confession ties into it. But I'm not talking about that. That's a separate thing. And we've talked about that. And confession is confession. We're talking about a life of openness and accountability, where I have partners in life, that I'm not trying to do it on my own, that I got someone who will lock arms with me. We as a church, we agreed we're going to lock arms together, we're going to battle this battle against impurity and against lust. But you're not going to be locking arms with every single person, okay? We're all connected, but there may be two, like one on your left and one on your right, and those are going to be your, your, your real partners that you're going to be locking arms with and going forward. You need someone to challenge you. You need someone to rebuke you. You need someone to question you. You need someone to encourage you. This is what we need if we're going to overcome and defeat this battle against lust. Let me answer some questions that are running through your mind. Do I really, really need an accountability partner? Like, do I really, really, really need it? Like, I agree on the principle that girls should have accountability partners. I agree girls should have it. Okay, that's what I would say. I agree. Yes, all the ladies, yes, it's very important. But come on, we're guys, right? What are we going to do? You know, like, we, how, we're going to hold each other accountable? Like, we're guys. Like, 
I'm not going to admit to another guy that I don't know what I'm doing. Have you ever seen me drive? Like, I'm not going to admit when I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to, I can't. Do I re- like, is there any other way around it? Do I really, really need accountability? Go back to the very first sin that existed. When Adam sinned. Adam, just like all of us guys today, it's guys and girls, but I just make fun of the guys. How did Adam respond when he was faced with his sin? Did Adam want to face up to his sin and admit it? Genesis 3, 8 and 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Hey, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That's us. That's me. That's, that, I understand that. I got a problem. No, I don't. You made a sin? Nope. Hey, did you? No. Nah. Nothing here. All clear. Keep moving. That's the way we are, right? We don't even want to admit it to ourselves. And then we work up enough guts to admit it to ourselves. No way I'm admitting it to another person. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. I no way I'm going to let anybody in to know my mistakes and my weaknesses. A wise person once said, your sin is not what's keeping you stuck in life. It's your pride that's keeping you stuck. Sin actually has no effect. It's our pride that keeps us stuck. Falling into a ditch isn't a big deal. Easy. No problem. Jesus, easy. Pick you up out of the ditch. The problem is when we fall into a ditch and we don't want to admit it. We want to pretend everything's fine in the ditch. It's not your sin that's keeping you stuck. It's your pride that's keeping you stuck. And that's why this topic of accountability is so important because accountability kills pride. Accountability kills pride. For me to go to another person and say, see, I want to pretend, okay, I'm the priest. Okay, so the topic I'm saying today is hardest for me more than anyone else because I'm the advice giver. And I'm going to go to some guy who confesses to me Okay, I'm going to go to some guy, I have an accountability partner, it's the guy who confesses to me. And I go to my guy who confesses to me, and I tell him I made a mistake. That's not the way the hierarchy is supposed to work, is it? The hierarchy is supposed to be like this. But, if you want to defeat, you got to go and say, I got a problem. Help me out. And it's humiliating, and I hate my guts, and I hate his guts. But that's the way that you find solution to your problem. Why does it have to be that we have to admit our problem to another human being? And again, I'm not talking about confession. I'll, I'll tell you how confession fits into this. Why does it have to be that way? Why can't I just tell God? Like, why can't I just repent, say I'm sorry, God, and I'll, every day I'll say I'm sorry? What's the benefit of having another human being right there? Write this down. Repentance leads to forgiveness, but confession leads to healing. Repentance leads to forgiveness, but confession leads to healing. James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This verse, confess your trespasses to one another, is not referring to the sacrament of confession. Sometimes we think it is, but it's not. I mean, it's, you can like, include it in the genre of confession, but it's not talking about confessing to a priest. It's saying confess to one another. It's not saying confess to the priest. Earlier talked about call for the priest, let the priest pray for you and anoint you. Here it's saying confess to one another. It's not talking about, again, every six months, go to a priest, admit your mistakes. It's talking about a lifestyle where we are not always putting up masks and pretending to be something. A lifestyle where there's no problem that I can come to these guys and say, hey, I'm struggling. And they can say, I'm struggling. We're not pretending to be something that we're not. There's no problem for me to come and say, hey guys, I got a problem with this. I struggle with this. And there's no problem for you to do that with me. Confess your trespasses to one another that you may be healed. Look, you can repent for your sins and confess your sins to a priest and that's 
Forgiveness. I agree. I'm not saying it's not forgiveness. I'm not saying you need accountability to be forgiven. I'm not saying that. But you do need it to be healed. And there's a difference. Spiritually, forgiveness, sure. No problem. But is that just our goal? Just to be forgiven and go to heaven? Or is our goal to overcome? Is our goal to fight? Is our goal to find victory? Is our goal that, look, I'm going to live X number of years on this earth. All right? And as many times I repent, God will forgive me. But I want to get past it. All right? And I don't know, I'm not saying I want to get past it that way. As much as I want to be growing in purity. I want to be improving. I want to be making progress. Yes, He'll forgive my soul. And yes, He'll accept me. But I need to find healing. And healing doesn't come except without confess to one another and pray for one another. The two are connected. That we're confessing, we're praying because they're confessing. Like when we confess and we're open, then our prayers are that much more powerful and meaningful. I didn't make it this way. God did. But if you look at how God designed humanity to work, humanity is built in relationship, in community. In the very beginning, it's 12 tribes. Live together as a tribe. Do stuff together. The law is all about your interactions with one another. And if you sin against this, go confess it to this. Later on, New Testament, the apostles, disciples, together. Never lone rangers. Even when he sent them out, two by two. They always had support. That's the way the church was, was, was created. That we'd be like a family and a support for one another. God has wired us in such a way that we won't find healing on our own. Let me be as blunt as possible. I'm going to be blunt. You know the problem that you want to get rid of? You know the problem you want to get rid of. You know it. As soon as I say that problem, you know. You know the problem you want to get rid of? The lust that we've been talking about for the past several weeks? You're not going to solve it on your own. Like, let's just be blunt. You're not. You know why? Because if you could have, you would have. But you can't. Say, whoa. If you could have solved it, you would have solved it. Like, this isn't the first day you discovered your problem, is it? You just discovered it today? Today, you've known about it for years. But today you say, no, 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 I'll solve it on my own. Okay, what about the last 35 years of your life where you've known about it and you haven't solved it on your own? You ain't doing it in 35 years. You ain't going to do it in th year 36 or 37. I'll put my money on it. The year 40 ain't going to be much better either. My money says that if you want a new outcome, you got to try a new strategy. Let's just be honest. Let's be blunt. Let's call it like it is. You've been trying on your own to fight against this lust. You have failed every single time. You are not going to succeed. Like it's time to look in the mirror and say, I can't do this. I've been trying to, imagine I'm sitting here trying to carry this thing. And it's been 40 years of my life I'm trying to carry it. And I haven't succeeded. It's at some point in time you got to realize, hey, can you give me a hand? Like at some point in time you got to stop trying and just say, hey buddy, you mind? Give me a hand. When are you going to get that in your spiritual life? When are you going to get that? But you can't do it on your own. A principle that we hate but we know from the doctor's office. Revealing is the beginning of healing. Revealing is the beginning of healing. Example, I've told you guys this example many, 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 many times. You go to the doctor's office and the doctor says, okay, what's wrong? Nothing. No problem at all. Doctor, you try to guess. Okay, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. You want to be healed? You got to roll up the sleeves and say, I got a problem here. You got to take this off and say, I got a problem here. And sometimes it gets kind of awkward. You have to take off a lot more. But if you want to find healing, it's your choice. You want to go to the doctor, be covered from head to toe, get it all right there and say, look, I convinced myself that I'm okay and I walked out the door. Bravo. More power to you. You're sick as a dog. But you convinced yourself that you're okay. Why do we do spiritually what we would never consider doing any other way? Every now and then, somebody will come to me and if you want to make me happy, if you want to make me happy and awake in confession, okay? I'm always awake, but I'm saying like, you want to make me... You start off by saying the following words. I'm about to tell you something that I've never told anybody. Boom. I don't care what you say next. I can tell you a secret. It doesn't matter what you say next. 
What you say next doesn't really matter to me, but I know you're about to experience something great. Because that moment that you expose that, and it's so hard, and I've been trying, and many times I've come to confession, and I just can't. And I went to my friend, I was about to. I was going to tell my wife, but, and, it just, and then that one day that I just come and say, God, that day, that's the day of freedom. That's the day that freedom begins. Because until you can expose and reveal the problem, you're probably not going to find healing. You know what that day is? That's the day that the child opens the closet and looks for the boogeyman. You know what happens to the boogeyman when you open the closet? The boogeyman goes away. The boogeyman, as long as the door is closed, the boogeyman grows. And he's scary. And he's strong. And you can't sleep because the boogeyman may even attract other boogeymen. But once it happens, when you open it, you brave and you open that closet, all the boogeymen disappear. Same thing in our spiritual lives. You know why that is? James, just after he said confess to one another in James 5.16, James 4.6, he taught us this principle. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Three, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I spoke about in this war against lust, our secret weapon, our big bazooka, the one that the enemy can't take. Like the enemy knows if we take this weapon, he's got no shot. We can sit here with our, our, our six shooters all we want. We're fighting a nuclear war. We can't win with the six shooters. But the devil knows if we pick up this weapon, uh-uh, that's the big boy. And that wipes everyone out. That big weapon is grace of God. Grace of God wipes him away. He cannot face grace of God. Grace of God in front of him, he can't. It's his kryptonite. Where does grace of God come from? It comes, or I should say, who does it come to? The humble. The Bible says it very clear. Proud, don't reveal, I'm the man, God resists. Go ahead, leader six shooter. Good luck. Go ahead. There's nuclear weapons in front of you. There's an army of 10,000. You got a little pistol. Good luck. You want to fight this war with weapons that'll work? Humble. Because when humble, grace, enemy gets knocked down. I'm telling you, I'm t I understand fully this step accountability. I know it's not easy. No one hates it more than me. But it's needed. If you're serious about being changed and finding healing, this hurdle is not going to be easy, but you got to get past this hurdle. You got to get past your pride and you got to allow somebody to help you out. Father of confession, that's great, but much more than father of confession. You need friends, partners. I'm not saying you got to announce it on the church website. Hey, everybody, this is what this person did. I'm not saying it like that. I'm not saying you need a hundred accountability partners. But you need a close friend or two, all right? Someone that can help you carry this big weight. What does accountability mean? One of the reasons that we're turned off to the concept is because we don't understand what it means. And sometimes we have this idea of accountability that it's like, you know... Like, I'll tell you two stereotypes. The girl, the female accountability is like a big group and we just cry and just share and cry. And it's just like some sympathy support group. Okay, we just cry for each other. All right, that's not accountability. The other, the male side, okay, more of a, is the, like more of a male way of doing it is, like I know a group of guys that said, you know, we're trying to work on this lust. Anytime you fall, you put five bucks in the jar. Okay? Anyone who falls, five bucks in the jar. And it was like, whoever made it the longest, you know, gets, to, gets the money or something like that. that. I don't think that's a biblical way of accountability either. Uh, that neither of those are how God designed accountability to work. So the question for us is, what is biblical accountability supposed to look like? Let me tell you what it is and what it isn't. First thing, accountability offers challenge, not just sympathy. Offers challenge, not just sympathy. Sympathy is good. Comfort, consoling, that's the best. But that's not accountability. That may be a step to establishing a relationship to give accountability, but that's not accountability. 
Accountability is more about challenging someone than it is just consoling someone. In John chapter 8, Jesus found a lady who was caught in adultery. And everyone was trying to judge her, and they wanted to kill her. And then Jesus came in front of that lady, and look what Jesus did. He had sympathy with her, but watch how he also challenged her as well. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See how he, see how he had compassion, but then challenged. Accountability has to be a challenge. It's not just, that's okay, I don't condemn you either and send you off. That wouldn't have been accountability. Accountability is, I understand, it's okay. But let's not lose sight of the fact, the reason why they were stoning you is because you were caught in adultery. And that is not a good way to live. Go and sin no more. The comforting, the sympathy, that's good. And that's needed. I'm not, I'm not against that. I'm not saying that we should just... I'm not, I'm not against that. But think of accountability more of a coach than a support group. If I'm playing in a sport, okay, and I make a mistake, all right, so I... Like my claim to fame is I struck out in t-ball. That's my claim to fame, okay? Not many people in life have struck out in t-ball, but that was me. Foul tip, strike one, strike two, cried all the way back to the dugout. That was my last time I ever played baseball, okay? That's my claim to fame. Yes, sympathy would have been nice as opposed to the jeers that I heard from my teammates, okay? And the ridicule that I still remember to this day. But what I really could have used was a little coaching, okay? Somebody pick me up and say, eye on the ball. Eye on the ball is very, very important in, any, in most sporting activities. So I could have used the coaching because that would have made me a better player. Just, okay, it's okay. That's nice. Makes you feel good for the moment. But it didn't make me a very good baseball player. I feel like father of confession, forgiveness, sympathy. Accountability, challenge. That's why I feel like you need both. Your father of confession can't be the one challenging you only. Like he can challenge you in spurts, but he can't be the one really challenging you because you don't have a close enough relationship with him where he can challenge you on a day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week basis. Like you can only be, you can't be challenged once a month or once every two months. You need someone who's there to call you out a little bit and to say, hey, all right, I feel bad for you. Cry for a day. But hey, now it's the next day. Come on, man. Like you need someone to coach you a little bit and to challenge you and to say, why, why, why are you doing that? And when you say, hey, I'm going to the beach this weekend, why are you going to the beach? Like someone needs to call you out every now and then. Sympathy is very good for forgiveness, but it's not very, very good for healing. If I went to the doctor and I say, doctor, I have a cold, he says, oh, I feel so bad for you. Oh, that's so bad. Okay, that's great. But healing, I need him to say, hey, stop uh, you know, going outside when it's cold or stop whatever. I need coaching in order to find healing. With that said, coaching does not equal condemning, okay? Coaching is always loving, okay? But the point is, it's challenging. Number two, accountability requires, we're gonna get hard now, specific, not general confession. We're getting to the hard stuff. Requires specifics, not just generalities. Again, let me be very clear about this. Father of confession, we like generalities. We do not want all the details, okay? Because we have brains, and the more that stuff gets in our brains, okay, we don't need, we don't need that stuff, and it's not really needed, all right? The here, we don't need the stories, okay? We prefer not the stories. We like generalities, and if there's a need to be specific, Father of Confession will say, hey, be specific. We'll drive it, you guys just go with the flow. But accountability, it's different. Father of confession is dealing with forgiveness, sacrament. You don't need, Jesus doesn't need to know all the details to forgive you. But to heal you, that's where the details are very important. Your accountability partner, first of all, is someone that you meet with regularly. Your accountability partner is someone who's of the same gender. Your accountability partner is somebody who you have a trusted relationship with, and usually it's two-way. Okay? Usually it's two-way accountability. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. 
Why? By limiting details, you are limiting the doctor's ability to heal you. For example, I'll give you a couple examples, true examples. I know a lady, okay, this is where I found myself in the Father of Confession as acting as the accountability partner because there was no one there, so, but it's not the ideal, but sometimes it happens. A lady who had been confessing the sin of impure thoughts, impure thoughts, married woman, impure thoughts, impure thoughts. All the married women are like, is he going to tell my confession right now? No. Not. <laughs> impure thoughts, impure thoughts. Okay, and then eventually we got a little bit more and she gave a little more detail that said there's a co-worker at the office who's very flirtatious with her and her impure thoughts are really about like a relationship with him. Now we got more details, now we can treat this problem a little bit better. Okay, so now this is not just impure thoughts, now we have a situation that needs addressing here. And now this situation can be coached much more specifically and the medicine can be much more specific because now we realize no, hey, like we need to discuss your work situation and maybe even like you need to, to, to transfer something like that because now we know it's not just impure thoughts, it's this. I know a guy who from ever since he was a young boy was battling with like homosexual thoughts. All right? And he had been battling and struggling with this and for years, understandably why, he never was able to say it in confession. Just again, impure thoughts. You know what I mean? Or, or lust or something like that. And then one day, reached the low point, whatever it is, got the courage, and he said it. Like, these are the kind of thoughts. And once he broke that silence, okay, we were able to get him, like, the resources and, and that he needed. And now this guy, this guy's living the good life. Okay, and this guy's still struggling and battling, but he, from here to here, because he was specific and said, it's this that I'm really struggling with. It's not just a generality. He who covers his sins will not prosper. He who hides the specifics is not going to be able to find the coaching that he needs. Accountability requires specific, not just general. Three, accountability needs consistency and scheduled follow-up. This is where I would say it's good to have a little bit of formality in your accountability relationship. It shouldn't just be so informal. Like me and the guys, we just hang out and we laugh at each other and yeah, I did this and hug. It's got to be a little formal. And it's got to be a little structured. It helps me to know that, hey, I'm going to meet with that guy next week. That's helpful in the process of fighting. That I'm going to go and he's going to ask me this. And in fact, last week, I told him, when you see me next week, ask me this. That's good. Now, I'm telling you, next time we meet, ask this. Next time you see me, ask specifically this. Knowing that is going to be there, that consistency, is very helpful. If you wait until you're down to ask for help, like, you need to schedule the help knowing that you're going to fall. You don't need to wait for yourself to be at the bottom of the pit to ask, reach out for help. The more you wait, and the more difficult it is, and you've got to ask, the less likely you are to do it, and the more fear will come and overtake you. But if you know, formal, it's scheduled, it's something consistent, it'll help you out. Last thing about accountability is do not confuse confession with repentance. And this is on both sides. They're different, don't mix them up. Before I was saying repentance is good, but it's not enough you need to confess. Now I'm saying the opposite of that. That confession is good, but it's not enough you need to repent. The two have to be working hand in hand. We can't just accountability to this girl, this is a guy, and I just say it and that's it and I move on. I didn't accomplish anything. Accountability is built on a foundation of repentance. That I go to God, in front of God, like King David said right here, Psalm 51.4, and I say against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight that I repent, and then I go to my accountability for healing. The two need to be working in conjunction. Don't say, because I confessed, I don't need to repent. Just like don't say, because I repented, I don't need to confess. I need to do both. Confession is part of repentance. Repentance is part of confession. The two are tied together. 
What does that mean? How do I know if I've repented? Let me give you some sample questions you ask yourself before you go to your accountability partner. Ask yourself, do I view this sin as an act of rebellion against God? I'm not, just I'm not just confessing something and saying like, hey, I made this mistake. Do I know that this mistake is rebellion and disobedience to God? Do I have true sorrow over the sin or I'm just upset that I got caught and I don't like the consequences of the sin? Or do I have true sorrow, godly sorrow for the sin? What action have I taken to either fix the mistake or to prevent it from happening again? If the answer to these questions is nothing, you haven't repented. Forgiveness comes from repentance. Healing comes from accountability. We need both. So now, I told you why you need accountability. I told you about how you're only going to find healing from accountability. We define what accountability is. It's challenging. It's specific. It's consistent. It's a little formal. It's like built, it's built on repentance, but it's not the same as repentance. Now, you should be all ready to go. Who is excited about accountability? Yeah! Woohoo! Who wants to go first? Who, who wants to, anyone want to go first? I want to give you this final warning, because I know that no matter how much you may be convinced here, being convinced here isn't easy. Watch out for fear. You want me to tell you something? You want me to tell you something? Those who know me, okay, those who know me, you all know me. I'm not an overly dramatic person, okay? I'm not. And some people, you know, the traffic light turned red. Oh, that was the devil. Devil tried to make me late for church. Okay. You know, and, and, and I know whenever we go, we go to Africa, all right, I love Mbabulis very much. Okay. Bus breaks down. The devil's fighting us. Okay, I'm all for it. But, you know, if we maybe just put some air in the tire, you know what I mean? Maybe the devil would be a lot weaker. Okay. Like... So I'm not the dramatic, and I'm not saying anything, but I'm not the dramatic, okay? Like that, I, I, take, I tend to take more responsibility to myself and say it's me, not the devil. But I'm telling you, I promise you, this particular series, I can't remember a series that I've done that has had more spiritual warfare against the participants of the series than this. And I don't need to call anybody out, but I can look and I can see it in the eyes. That anyone who is taking this series seriously must be prepared for significant spiritual warfare. Because the devil does not like this. Because this is his thing. This is his stronghold. Like his headquarters on earth equals lust. This is what he's got. And he's had it for so many years. And so many of us for years have just been lying in it and just saying, you know what? What's the benefit of fighting? We're just lying back and saying, we can't really do anything about it. And all of a sudden, we woke up, went to Ephesians 5.3, and said, hey, wait a minute. We're not supposed to be down here. Let's see if we, and we started to wake up. And he did not get happy when we tried to wake up. He did not get happy when we tried to wake up. We said, you know what? I can get out of this. It won't be easy, but I can get out of this. If God called me, I can get out of this. I can live and not even a hit life. He not gonna, and that's, he didn't get out the big warfare. And many, many, many people can, can, can attest to this. There's serious warfare. Last week, I said, we're going to fight. And I guarantee you that last week, anyone who fought had a bad week last week. Not a good week. Had a bad week. That if you took this and you wanted to fight this last week, that you had a bad week last week. And I'm telling you, I understand. It's okay. Don't sweat it. Shake it off. Get back up, man. Get back up. Devil would love to get you to the point to say there's not even point in fighting. He would love to get you to that point. This is his headquarters on earth. If you take down the headquarters, he's got nothing. He's going to fight this. And today, said, can't do it alone. And you're convinced here. But it's going to take a lot more to convince you here. As soon as you walk out those doors, you're going to have a thousand different 
fears that are going to hit you. Probably hitting you right now. No, no, no. Me, I can't. What's she going to think of me? What's he going to think of me? I can't tell my husband. I can't tell my wife. No, I can't. Doing that, they're going to reject me. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to think differently of me. No, 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 I can't. No, no, no. You're going to have a thousand different fears attacking you. But I'm here to tell you that we don't live by fear. We don't live by fear. We walk by faith, not by fear. We make decisions not based on fear. We make decisions based on faith. And our faith says that when we obey God, we are doing this series wide. Why are we doing this series? Because we've got nothing better to talk about than lust. That's everyone's favorite topic. Let's talk about something that none of us can accomplish. That's what our favorite topic is. We're talking about it because we agreed that as a church, God wants to do great things with us. And God wants to do something great. And we're moving. But in order for us to move, we need to revitalize, re-energize, to revive our spirits. And what is keeping us down is the captivity and the lust. So we said, before we get out there and do great things, we need to wake our spirits up. We need to revive our spirits. We need to break free from some of those shackles that have been keeping me down, that have been keeping me captive and keeping me slave. I need to break free of these things. And you think the devil's going to sit by and watch us free ourselves and get ready and prepare ourselves to do a great work? You think, he's gonna, you think the enemy's just going to watch that? He's going to fight it. But we're going to fight. He's going to turn up the temperature. We're going to turn up the temperature. He's going to turn up the volume. We're going to scream even louder. Let him do what he wants. Because we agree that we have a whatever-it-takes mentality. And if it takes accountability, I'll do accountability. If it takes humiliating myself in front of somebody else, humbling myself to get the grace of God, I'll humble myself in front of the grace of God. Watch out for fear. Watch out for fear. I'll leave you with this quote. Allow yourself... To be held accountable. Because accountability before man is a stepping stone to integrity before God. Allow yourself to be held accountable. Because accountability before man is a stepping stone to integrity before God. We need one another. We can't do it on our own. We tried. We can't. There's no shame in saying that we can't. The shame is in saying that I can't and I refuse to ask for help. You and me both know somebody who's very stubborn and doesn't want to ask anybody for help. Those people are annoying. Especially when you're ready to help them and you're ready to give them something good and they refuse to ask for help. Don't be that person. You need help. You need somebody to hold you accountable. Pray about it this week. But don't just pray about it. Pray about it and do something about it. Where do I find accountability partners? Where do I go? Who do I ask? Look. All those things, those are details. We could talk for five minutes and solve that issue. If you're really convinced about the principle, you'll find someone. But if you're not convinced, you could ask a thousand questions and you could waste my time and waste your time. Oh, there's nobody. I'm such a high spiritual level, nobody can hold me accountable. Or make up, look, that, don't waste my time and waste your time. Are you convinced about the principle or not? If you're convinced, finding somebody is easy. God will send somebody. That's not the challenge. The challenge is being convinced and humbling yourself to the point of realizing... I cannot carry this alone. I am... I wish I'd gotten that verse. You know the verse in Proverbs 27, verse 17? says, iron sharpens iron. If I'm an iron knife, and I'm trying to go around and sharpen myself, I'm a, I will fail. The only way for me to become sharper is I need another iron to sharpen me. Don't be a fool, man. Don't be a fool. Walk around and think that you can do this alone. You can't, and you don't need to. God gave us one another. I'm going to be praying for everybody this week that really God allows us to overcome those mountains. If you've never had an accountability partner, now's the time to start. It's not going to be easy. You don't need to start on a, in session one, confess your sins and your parents' sins and your brother's sins. You don't need to be session one. All right? Maybe you build up, but just start something. doesn't matter what, just start something. Ask somebody. Okay, if you're in a life group, okay, ask somebody in your life group, be your accountability partner. If you're married, people ask husband, wife, I'll tell you the ideal, the ideal is that your spouse, you are open with your spouse, but that you still have an accountability partner of your same gender. Not that you withhold stuff here, but like your spouse is great, but I'll tell you in the ideal, the ideal, and I'm not saying it's always possible, but your spouse is sympathy, your accountability is challenge. 
Okay, your spouse has sympathy because she's got to sleep with you every night, all right? And she's got to be there every, every, every morning when you wake up. So here, keep it sympathy as much as you can, but get the challenge from out here. If you're single, get, like, doesn't matter, but just be convinced and do something about it. All right, guys? Let's stand up and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you from the depth of our heart. You saw us, Lord, lying in a pit of sin. You saw us captives to lust. You saw, Lord, that we had no energy to fight and we were just kind of complacent. But Lord, we really, really, really want to fight this fight. We don't want to just be something we talk about on Sundays. Lord, that would be the worst thing in the world. That's just something that we talk about on Sundays and we ignore Monday through Saturday. Lord, we want this to be like a turning point in our lives. Not that we're perfect from here on out, but Lord, a turning point in our, our life of accepting sin and, 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 and even like a turning point of how we hate sin and we don't accept sin in our life and we fight for your standard in our life, in our marriages, in our, in our thought life, in all of our relationships, in, in, in our eyes, in, our, in everything that we do, Lord, that we, that we fight for your standard. Lord, you gave so much so that we could live free and that we wouldn't be slaves to sin and slaves to the law and slaves to our, our, our evil nature. Give us, dear Lord, to fight this fight, to fight against especially the fears that the devil's going to throw at us this week, to try to convince us that we don't need it or it's not for us or, or something like that. Give us, dear Lord, to find true humility so that we can be filled by your grace. Lord, I pray for every heart that is bowing before you right now. You know, Lord, the hearts that are really struggling, that are really want to get out of their complacency, that really want to be like in love with you again and to be like on fire with you again. I pray, Lord, that you would be working especially hard in those lives. Pick them up, Lord, out of the pit. Lift them up to that high mountain and show them, Lord, the path to get back there. Don't let any of us, Lord, accept the devil's lies or the pit that he throws us in. Accept our prayers this day in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.